Welcome to the Pro Football Network Betting Podcast, uh, alongside betting director Brian Blewis and special guest, senior reporter of Vegas Insider, Patrick Everson, and a, a friend of mine from the past and current. Uh, I am David Behrman, Chief Content Officer of Pro Football Network, here to break down all 13 of Sunday's games. Actually, I think now that, yeah, it is 13 now that there's two Monday night games. We'll talk about all 13 games uh, coming off a really good week where the Pro Football Network betting team went 7-1 and one on Monday night football. Uh, we're here to talk all 13 Sunday games, and we're going to kick it off with Falcons and Lions. In Detroit right now, the Detroit Lions have a minus 3 46 and a half over the Atlanta Falcons wanted to bring Patrick in first, our special guest, Patrick Vegas insiders. Welcome to the program. Starting off with Falcons lions first, say hello. And then let me know what you think. Right. Well, first off, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it very much. Uh, interesting game. Don't the, at, at the moment, I, I got a little bit of insight on Wednesday from a better who really, really likes Detroit in this game. And the reason he pointed actually it's a sharp guy. His name is Randy McKay. Pretty smart guy. He's he's a he's a super contest cash out guy and and does well in the uh, in the sports betting realm. And what he pointed out is this line dipped after Atlanta's comeback against Green Bay. Atlanta gets the very short win but does not cover. And then Detroit coming off that big win at Kansas City loses at home in overtime to Seattle. He thinks the Lions are going to have too much offense in this matchup versus an Atlanta team that he considers one-dimensional, and he said he really likes to go against young quarterbacks on the road. So uh, he's liking Detroit uh, having to lay only three at home in this game. Brian, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I mean, there's any time to bet against the Falcons. It's when they're on the road because Desmond Ritter hasn't lost at home dating back to, I think, high school. And they've had their first two games of season at home so far, and they're 2-0. I know the Lions are pretty banged up, though. David Montgomery is going to be out. Amon Ross St. Brown's been on the injury report, so there's some concern there. But I think this is a good spot if you want to, to sell high on the Falcons. I mean, Patrick's mentioned that the line has moved a lot. I believe it was at 4.5 and, and opened on Sunday night, and now it's down to 3. So if you like the Falcons, you kind of miss the value with the hook. And if you like the Lions, you're in a good spot. And you honestly could wait it out at this point, I feel like. Patrick, last week I had mentioned that one of my favorite things to bet is week two after week one overreactions. The lines are set months in advance for week one. And people get them right, people get them wrong. And week two, there's massive overreactions. I didn't see many last week. Uh, maybe it's week three where we see the overreactions with the Falcons being 2-0 and and the Lions struggling last week with Seattle. Is this one of those examples where we could see an overreaction? I, I think it might be. You know, Detroit gets to be at home again. And to Brian's point, Atlanta going on the road. So, uh, and and the line having come down, you know, relatively significantly. If four and a half Sunday night, you're going through four, through three and a half, uh, sitting on, you know, another key number. But getting Detroit at three rather than four, four and a half is certainly, uh, uh, it's a big difference relative to that, re- relative to a short spread. So that could be one for sure. Maybe it's the two to three overreaction this time around. And, and Brian knows last week my one of my best bets was the Lions-Seahawks over. It took a little while to get there, but then it soared over the total. I kind of like it here as well, 46.5. The Falcons have shown more offense than we expected, and the Lions are still not firing on all cylinders. Brian mentioned the injuries to Montgomery and, and St. Brown. We don't know if either one's going to play. They likely are, but they're banged up, but I still like the over here. Uh, moving on to another game. 
Uh, at the one o'clock slate, Broncos are in Miami to face the Dolphins. Dolphins laying six and a half, total of 48, coming off their win in Foxborough on Sunday night, hosting a Broncos team that, to me, it's not a surprise that they're 0-2. It's a surprise to many people who jumped on the Sean Payton is going to fix Russ Wilson bandwagon. I think the Broncos are who I thought they were, to borrow a phrase. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the Broncos and this game in general? I'll, I'll take it first. I mean, look, a couple of things I'm hearing from odds makers is that Miami getting out of the gate 2-0, particularly – more so the week one win, David, than the than the week two win. Uh, going all the way to, you know, dra- traveling to L.A., beating a Chargers team that made the playoffs last year. Uh, and more so, probably um, more so than all of that, Tagovailoa looking good. You know, looking like the player pre-concussions last year. That made a big impact. And then you just add to it a little bit more when, you, you know, when they go to New England, two straight road games to open the season and and get another win. And this was a game I talked a little bit, or team at least, that I talked a little bit about uh, with Adam Pullen at Caesars uh, this week, literally Wednesday, Wednesday, I believe Wednesday. And, you know, he's like 2-0 teams are definitely going to get a good look. And then in talking with Casey Degnan at the Superbook when these lines first opened earlier this week with, with where, where they opened Dolphins six and a half, um, he said he thinks the public's going to be on Miami, at, anticipates they'll be rooting for Denver come Sunday. Miami will probably be uh, in a lot of, uh, you know, uh, money line parlays and teasers and such, David. Brian, your thoughts on the, the Broncos and Dolphins before I weigh in on my what will assume to be biased opinion, but fair opinion. Yeah, I was about to say that this is probably going to be the most public team of the week, the Dolphins, especially that you could get them under a touchdown against a Broncos team that's 0-2. But it's a little fishy to me how the line, I don't think, has moved at all from six and a half since it first opened on Sunday night yet it's going to be the most public side of the week and the books are really going to need the Broncos. It's a tough one for me. I mean, the teaser like seems so obvious here to get them down to minus to like to half a point and basically got to win straight up. But like Patrick said, everyone's going to have the, have the Dolphins in their teasers and money line parlays. And anytime I hear that and when a line seems too obvious, it's just a stay away from me. And it's just, I don't know, just a tough spot. I mean, one one thing though in the Dolphins' favor is just Broncos' defense has looked really bad to start the season, and definitely their most disappointing unit. Even though Russ has looked better this year, he still hasn't been quite the same that we would have hoped for under Sean Payton. But yeah, if anything, I'll lean the over here. But if you do like the Broncos in this spot, you would think that their defense is a bounce back bounces back this week because they won't be able to keep pace as Dolphins' offense. Yeah, it'll come as no surprise that I like Miami here. Obviously, you guys know where my fandom lies, but even taking that. Aside, I thought last week's line versus New England was too low, and I hopped on that real early with the two, two and a half. Wound up closing at one where there were a lot of sharp action on New England, and you saw Miami go out there and score wasn't really as indicative of, of, of how the game was played. Uh, when this line opened, I was surprised. I, I was surprised it wasn't over a touchdown. You'll see other games we'll talk about in a few minutes, like the Ravens game is seven and a half. I really thought with it being a heavy public game and with the Dolphins being two and oh, that it would be on the other side of seven. Um, I do like the fact that it's on the south side of seven. One thing that does concern me is, you know, taking everything else out of the equation. It is a typical letdown spot and sandwich game all at one. Uh, you played the Sunday night game in Foxborough. You come home 2-0. and You want to, you know, the home crowd. It's also, you got Buffalo the week after in Buffalo. So it's your only home game in between a rough three, three games and four weeks on the road with Buffalo coming up. But 
top to bottom, if you just look at the teams, you look at the power rankings, you look at the efficiencies, the Dolphins are more than a six and a half point favor over the Broncos. So I'm leaning Dolphins. I, I think it is a good teaser play. It is a good parlay play. As Patrick said, the book's going to be all needing the Broncos. I just think in this matchup in particular, uh, the, the Dolphins just have more talent. The Bronco defense has struggled. Uh, you, you got Fangio who knows the Broncos a little bit. I just think it's a mismatch as long as the Dolphins avoid the letdown mode. And let, let, let's also factor in the fact that the Dolphins started on the road for a reason. Enough teams have complained in the past about having to open up in September, one o'clock in Miami. This isn't week one. It's not week two, but it's still darn hot down there in Miami week three. It's not like all of a sudden it's winter. So expect the Broncos to be wearing their darks. Dolphins will be wearing their whites. And by the second half, if anything, take a Dolphins second half. Because, by the way, the Broncos have been terrible in the second half this season to begin with. 0-2 against the number. So where I would really play this one is the second half line with Miami. Obviously, you got to wait for it. But I'd play Miami in the second half as the heat starts sinking in. Moving on to another game with some teams that are 2-0 and 1-1. Same type of matchup. Saints are playing the Packers. Two teams that we're not sure how good they are. Uh, but the Packers are hosting, giving two points, 42. Saints, 2-0, and not exactly winning by a million. They're a couple of field goals away from being 0-2. Packers won week one and had the lead week two in Atlanta, so they come home 1-1. One one. Start with Brian, your thoughts on this game. Yeah, this is an interesting one. The total has gone down a point to um, 42.5. That's still a key number. We're looking to play the under here. That's a play I'm interested in because the Packers, again, might be without Christian Watson and Aaron Jones. Meanwhile, the Saints offense has looked pretty mediocre, and that's maybe putting it lightly through two weeks so far. And this Packers team is due for some regression in the red zone. They're tied for first in red zone percentage, and their play and their possession in the red zone ending with a touchdown at 83%. So if there's a game that I'm eyeing for under this week, that's definitely one of them. And don't really know who's the better team in this spot between the two of them with the Packers being at home and the Saints being on a short week. So if I'm going to play any side here, it's going to be the under. Patrick, what's the word on the street between these two teams? It's not real easy to figure them out based on the scores. What are you hearing about the Saints and Packers? Right. Honestly, haven't gotten a lot of uh, input on this one yet. I think it's an interesting game, but I just haven't heard much from the odds maker side of it. I do, you know, at that, at that number, I think, to, to me, the Packers are are a little bit interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that the Saints are, uh, you know, they're 2-0, yes, but uh, Green Bay had a, had a great chance to win that last week and be 2-0. Green, Bay, Green Bay is 2-0 against the number. Uh, I kind of like the Packers under a field goal here at, at, at home. We'll see, how it, we'll see how it pans out. But haven't heard much from the oddsmaker side of that, but keep an eye on this number over the course of the weekend. Let but me ask you guys one- this. Are you guys less – do you guys think less of this Packers team now after a week one win, after watching the Bears last week and all that turmoil inside that building? Does that change your perception about this team at all? I don't think it changes mine. I think that – I think – I just – you know, this is just gut feel. I think Green Bay is, over the course of the season, potentially going to be a little better than expected without – even though Aaron Rodgers has moved on. Um, I don't think it changed my perception much because I wasn't sure that the Bears were – really that good anyway. I liked Green Man. Bay in week one and 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 now you've got you know more turmoil with the Bears and you know quarterback comments and and whatever happened uh yes was it yesterday Wednesday in the uh in the in the Bears office and offensive coordinator and so forth. It's interesting stuff. Um 
but I kind of felt like the Bears still had, you know, a ways to go and, and uh, nothing, nothing has changed my mind on that at this point. I think the biggest thing for me is, is I made no apologies. I was all over the saints all off season. I took their over nine and a half. I took them at plus plus one twenty to win the division. I took them as a sneaky potential birth in the NFC championship game. They haven't played to the caliber of that, but they have etched out two wins with no losses. And what's really impressed me about the saints is their defense. The only defensive touchdown they've allowed in two games was in the closing minutes of a game that was already put away versus the Panthers. So their defense has really stepped up when that's not what the hallmark of that team has been. Um, can they shut down a Packers offense that has done better than we expected? That's where to go. It's a it's a pass for me, but I would lean the Saints and the points just because of the way their defense has been playing. Uh, but really, is the toss-up game, and the line has, has pretty much shown that. Uh, moving on to... What you could easily say are the two most disappointing teams in football so far, Chargers and Vikings. This is a one where, you know, Chargers are laying a point on the road if you have the stomach to lay points with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers who have not won since they blew a four-touchdown lead in the playoffs to Jacksonville in Minnesota with a Minnesota team that nobody can trust. So either which way, if you bet on the side on this game, you're going to have to stomach an 0-2 team that the season potentially is over if they fall to 0-3. Shy of a tie, uh, one of these two teams will be 0-3. It could be the end of the Stanley, uh, Brandon Staley error, or it could just be a lot of question marks in Minnesota. Um, it, it's a pass for me. I can't lay points with the Chargers, and I'm definitely not betting on the Vikings. Uh, I want no part of this game. As, as Stanford Steve would say, this one smells, so I'm staying away. <laughs> Patrick, your thoughts on this one? Well, from the from the odds makers side of the counter, uh, this is bounced back and forth a little bit. It looks like, you know, from looking across the the window, I'm seeing now Vikings short favorite. But I know open Chargers short favorite went to Vikings. In some places, it bounced back to Chargers. And to your point, David, I don't know that after what we've seen, you know, with the Chargers start zero and two, and now having to go on the road against another playoff team from last year that doesn't have a win and needs a win. Um, not sure if you want to lay if it ends up you know, if it's a situation where your book of choice has you laying uh, points with the chargers. Not sure if you necessarily want to do that on the road this week. Uh, I did talk with one odds maker on Wednesday about this kind of a midweek update and Minnesota was getting the majority of tickets and money, but not, not a heavy majority at all. Uh, you know, you, you, you could certainly call it two way play. Um, but what he did note that I thought was kind of interesting was he, he noted that there was a sharp play on over 51 and a half and over 52 uh, this total, I believe, is up like a couple of points now from, from uh, well, a few points, honestly, from what uh, some of the places opened at on Sunday. So, uh, and, and, and I do again, stand that, corrected, it is now attributed that to some sharp play on the over. And I do stand corrected. You're right. The Vikings now are a one point favorite as as we as we talk about it. Uh, the Chargers were favored by one last night when I was looking at it. Um, it's now Vikings minus one. Brian, you see a line move on to the other side. What are your thoughts on this one? This is the biggest stay away game I think I've ever seen just because these two teams. And this is a really this would be a really fun game to watch. I think it's a lock to be decided in the final seconds be that last game on red zone and the one o'clock slate. This is basically, I, t I made this comparison in one of my picks articles this week. This is basically the Spider-Man meme and betting form. These two teams feel like every week they're in a one-score game. They're two terrible defenses. They have a lot of weapons on offense. This will be a high-scoring game. This is a coin flip, though. You're trying to take a side. Neither team can afford to start off 0-3. 
They're both better than the record show. They both should be at least have one win for the season. But like I said, it's really a coin flip. You're picking one or the other. I know the total went up a lot here, though. I think the total opened at 51, and now it's at 54, 54 and a half. I would have liked this over a lot better, getting that key number of 51. But if there's any game I've ever seen it to stay away, it's the Chargers versus the Vikings. Let me, can I throw something else in here, Dave? Throw something at, sure. at you two on this game? Based on these two teams where they're at now, not related to betting this specific game, but if you were to bet uh, a yes on a yes-no playoffs with these two teams, which both made the playoffs last year, would you would you take the yes on either of these teams? Knowing that you're going to get value now that wasn't that didn't exist two weeks ago, but also having seen what they've gone through in the first two weeks. I would not. I didn't like the Vikings before the season started, so that would be a no. Um, as far as the Chargers are concerned, all the talent in the world. We, we've had this conversation 6,000 times over the last couple of years. I, I firmly do not believe in their head coach. I think he he's not does he, he's not as smart as people think he is. He makes stupid decisions. Uh, he's not taking advantage of the talent he has, and there's a reason why every single game comes down to the last play. Um, that's not a team I want invested in. Are you going to get a good value? Sure. But the AFC has too many potential good teams that I think Chargers lose on Sunday to the Vikings. 0-3, I think Staley's gone before Halloween, if not before October 1. Um, and that's just not a team you're going to, you know, that that's a blow-up type scenario where you lose the coach, you lose the team, the season's over before October turns and the, and the leaves fall. However, if the Chargers do go into Minnesota and win this one, could jumpstart their season, and then I probably would have wished I had a different answer to Patrick's question about taking the yes. As of now, it's a no, but if they do win, that would have been a ticket that I would have liked to have had before the week starts. Um, moving to what I would consider our only other big betting game of the weekend, and it's not a great slate when Patriots-Jets is that other one. You have the 0-2 Patriots facing the Jets, who are 1-1, one one, albeit without Aaron Rodgers. Patriots laying 2.5, 3 on the road, 36.5. I'll start off real quick before kicking it to you guys. Love the under in this game. Already bet the under 37 last night. It's 36.5 now. Patriots, I watched it in person on Sunday. No offense whatsoever. Mac Jones isn't going to turn that team around anytime soon. But their strength is the defense. They did hold Miami a little bit. We know the Jets have a great defense. The Jets also haven't scored more than 17 points versus the Patriots in the last two and a half years. This game, to me, has 13-9 written all over it. Patriots bad offense. Jets have Zach Wilson. Both have good defenses. This is one that I'm going to have to watch since it's in the New England area but it's going to be on mute because you really don't want to watch it. It's going to be that ugly. Yeah, the only thing that's scaring me off with the under for this one, and this is my same reason for not taking the under in the Jets-Cowboys game last week, is the turnovers. The Jets last week got four turnovers. As a result, the under just barely lost by a couple points. And in this one, you have two very turnover-prone quarterbacks, each going against really good defenses, the Patriots and Jets. This is, seems like the most obvious play of the week, and it's so obvious that I almost am like a little skeptical about it, getting the Patriots under a field goal. I mean, besides week one with the Cowboys pass rush against the Giants offensive line, Zach Wilson versus, versus Bill Belichick is probably the biggest, second biggest mismatch of the season so far, and I just don't see any scenario where Zach Wilson can put up any offense against his Patriots defense to really lead him to a win. And the Patriots have been the unluckiest team in the NFL so far this season. They have a minus two turnover differential, and they had six possessions at Miami territory last week with just 17 points. 
that luck's got to turn out a little bit eventually, and maybe it starts off with their first road game of the season. Patrick, I bet you didn't think you'd be sitting here week three, week three talking about how the New England Patriots were laying three on the road at the Aaron Rodgers-led Jets. You didn't think you'd be sitting here talking about that. Oh, absolutely not. I don't think any of us expected that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be in this game or play this season. I think, honestly, most people wanted, whether you like or hate the guy, you wanted to see the experiment play out uh, much more than four plays. Yeah, and because of that, there's not. I don't have much to add to to what the two of you have said about this one. But uh, it, it is, I do think it, it'll be a situation where, David, I totally understand you playing in the under in this game and your rationale makes sense, and I don't think I would play the over necessarily. That said, you know, the public and the recreational folks, uh, you know, tend to latch onto these t- trends, even if they're very short-term trends. And as good as the under was in week one of the NFL, uh, the over, I believe, was even a little bit better in week two. I think it was 13-3. and three. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if the public comes in on the over on this and, and quite a few other games hoping to uh, hoping that that turns into a more than one week trend. Yeah, and there, there's also some some weather out there, tropical cyclone that mo- might go through over the weekend. You, you never want to make that on Wednesday or Thursday thinking that might be the case. But I did hop on it before it potentially lower. I'm not one that usually bets unders in the 30s unless it's Army-Navy. But that always works out, Um, and and I I look at this game as basically Army versus Navy. Uh, Moving on, there's three games that I want to bucket together. We're going to talk about all three of them. Uh, But I do want to ask you, Patrick, with Dallas laying 12 versus Arizona, KC laying 12.5 to 13 versus the Bears, and Jacksonville going 9.5, sometimes 10 against Houston, you have three really, really large point spreads what 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 do you see happening with those in terms of how to handle the large point spreads? Obviously, teasers and money line parlays, the books will have tons of action on those public teams with big spreads. But those are three gigantic spreads in week three of the season. Right. And I think what's I, I think it'll depend a little bit. Uh, I talked with one odds maker midweek on the Bears Chiefs game, and I thought it was kind of interesting. He noted there was actually sharp play on Chicago plus thirteen, which I'm like, okay. Uh, I I, I I suppose I can see it. I'm not the one who does that sort of research that, that, that would have the, the insights and, and uh, you know, running analytics and so forth. But Sharp plays Chicago plus 13. However, as Casey Degnan of the Superbook pointed out, he said the Chiefs are going to be tied, and you already alluded to it, David, to a ton of money line parlays. He said even if we take some straight bets on the Bears plus the points, they're going to be rooting hard for the Bears to shock the world, as he said. And I don't think any of us expects the Bears to shock the world with kind of the you know, the disorientation that team uh, currently resides in. And I think the Cowboys the same way. They're going to be in a lot of money line parlays and, and teasers and such. I don't know if that'll be quite the same with the Jags, um, even against the Texas team trotting out a rookie quarterback and so forth, because uh, look, the, the Chiefs are obviously a very good team, but I think, I think at least from my perspective, I think both, I think people expected both the Chiefs and the Jags to look better than they did in that week two game Um, and maybe some credit to the Jags for keeping the chiefs, uh, you know, offense in check relatively in that game. But um, yeah, this is just going to be, this is going to be a play situation where the public just loads up on, on, I think the chiefs and the Cowboys. I don't know if it'll be the Jags quite as much, but certainly the chiefs and the Cowboys. Brian, is there any one of these three lines that you're either a willing to stomach with a horrible team like Arizona, Chicago, or Houston, or saying, you know what, Dallas, Casey, and Jacksonville are just that much better. I'm going to lay the wood and see what happens. Any of these stick out to you? Yeah, I'm going to roll the sharps on this one. I like the Bears and the points. 
I mean, obviously we all know that we all know the history. I know it's, 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 it's a bold play, but Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs don't really cover in these spots, which might be a big reason why the sharps are back in the bears here as a double digit favorite for his career. He's only seven, 13 and one ATS. And obviously we all know the chiefs are going to turn around. They're going to be probably an AFC championship game. Like they are every year with Patrick Mahomes, but they've looked a little rusty so far to start the season. I mean, they, I guess they just need more time. They had Kelsey back for the first game last week. They didn't. They only put up 17 points, I believe, against the Jaguars. And obviously, this Bears defense might be the worst in the NFL, so this could be a smash spot for them, and they win by double digits and end up losing this, bets, this bet along with the Sharps. But that one sticks out to me the most of any of these big point spreads this week. I can't stomach taking the Cardinals here against the Cowboys just because of how dominant the Cowboys have looked, and especially their defense. And any like turnovers they could they could force on that side of the ball, they could go for touchdowns potentially. So I do like the Bears and the points here. If if I had to pick any of them, but I'm gonna go stay away from back in the Cardinals or Texans. And you guys both know that every year there's one game that is captain obvious, you no doubter, you know exactly who's gonna win the game, and it loses. One game every single year where you look back and you say, Did did the Bills really lose to the Jags? Did did the 49ers really lose to the Bears? You look at it every year, there's always one the game. Jets a couple years ago against the Rams when they were tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, there's always that one game, and you wonder, here is three games on the slate. None more obvious than Kansas City versus Chicago. Everything that could possibly go wrong with Chicago was going wrong with Chicago. Any possibility of an upset in any of these three games, especially when you consider that people listen to us also do survivor pools, and here's three Captain Obvious survivor picks. Hmm, that is a really good question. I don't, I don't see it in this case. Uh, I certainly don't see it in the case of, uh, like you said, the, the Bears. It's just so obvious. Kansas City, not necessarily to cover, but but should coast to a win against a dysfunctional team at this point. But uh, I don't think I see it in in, in any of those three games. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, Brian, but I'm not seeing it here. I don't see – I definitely don't see it for the Cardinals. Like, I don't – there's no universe where I could see the Cowboys losing that game. The Chiefs, 99% chance of winning, I would say. I'm only not 100% because I've seen Andy Reid teams before play down to their competition. They just don't come out totally sharp or focused for this type of matchup. And if I had to pick one upset between the three, it would be the Texans be the Jaguars just because the Jaguars are – by far the worst of these three teams, as talented as they are, and it's division matchup. So if I had to pick one, it would be the Jaguars or lose, but I'd feel comfortable taking any of these three teams in Survivor. Patrick, uh, you don't know Brian that well, but he's a huge Eagles fan, and I think that was a little dig at Andy Reid from his childhood there as an Eagles fan. <laughs> no, I, 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 love, I love Andy Reid. Under the table dig at Andy Reid. He also gave us a dynamite quote panel if uh, if Dallas should lose that game as he doesn't see any way, shape, or form Dallas loses that game. So it's a good quote panel. The Cardinals um, have been and done an incredible job tanking so far by looking competitive and putting away those theories about them tanking for Caleb Williams and then just coming out flat in the second half and then these teams beat them. It's a masterful tanking job so far. Moving on to what would also be seen as a couple of more mismatches. We'll start in Seattle, uh, where, where Seattle is laying six to the Panthers, total of 42. I, I like Seattle in this one. I, I think what we saw week two in Detroit was more what the Seattle team's going to look like than possibly – 
taking it easy on a uh, depleted Rams team, maybe overlooking the Rams week one. I think that to me was the biggest shock of week one, them losing that game. I think Seattle is still a contending team out in the NFC. uh, And and there's nothing about the Carolina Panthers that is promising or good or anything. Um, Bryce Young and the offense, they they really haven't done anything all season. They scored late in the game against the Saints. Um, I like Seattle. I would also take them in survivor pools, not as confident as I would take the other ones. Uh, but but I'm liking Seattle here. What do you guys think? I'll let you handle it first, Brian. Fire away. Yeah, this is a really tough one because it looks like Bryce Young might not be playing this week. He missed another practice today. And Andy Dalton's a very capable backup. And right now, he's probably the better quarterback between the two. But he's definitely less mobile than Bryce Young behind this really shaky Panthers offensive line. But if there's any get-right spot for this Panthers offense, it's against a Seattle defense that – looks basically the same they were last season and they've allowed the second most yards through two weeks so far this season and for the panthers with their biggest weakness on offense besides the lack of skill position talent it's their offensive line and they're not really going against a dominant pass rush in the seahawks i believe they only had two sacks for the season so far and we did see the seahawks lose in this similar spot in week one as similar favorites but the rams might as we've learned through two weeks might be a little better than we expect to go into the season that's a division rival. And Sean McVay has pretty much owned Pete Carroll on that rivalry. This is a tough one for me. I feel like I'd be selling too low on the Panthers. Right now, their team total is at 17 and a half. If that drops because it's Andy Dalton instead of Bryce Young, I would maybe almost want to buy really low on them and try to take that over 16 and a half if it gets to that point. Patrick, anything on the streets you're hearing? Anything anything out in Vegas? Yeah, they're not they're not talking about this one isn't that appealing at all. I don't think it's going to be a very well bet game, but I do uh, the, but the numbers gone up. I mean, this opened at Superbook on, you know, late Sunday afternoon here in Vegas. It's Seahawks four and a half. And I think we're seeing what six and a half now. Is that uh, uh, you know, and obviously factoring into that is the is the Panthers QB situation, as Brian alluded to. Uh, you know, I would have I would have been intrigued by the Seahawks if I jumped in early enough at that at that at that you know at four and a half. Not necessarily as interested in the Seahawks at at uh, uh, you know at, at at six and a half. I do think it's I feel like it's a you know a, a very safe survivor play and so forth. Just not sure I want to lay a touchdown until we get a little bit more of a body of work from the Seahawks who didn't look good at all in week one and then put up a ton of points at Detroit in week two and win in overtime. Um, would like to see uh, a little bit more from them before I w- would lay almost a touchdown with them. It's funny. It, I said I said I would take the Panthers if it drops to sixteen and a half their uh, team total. We're not we're not before we were start recording at seventeen and a half. As of now, it dropped a point. Nice. So yeah, Get so, on in. Yeah, I'm thinking it's a it's it's a pretty gross play after watching this Panthers offense dating back to the preseason through two weeks, but. If this is the most favorable matchup for them offensively going into pretty poor Seahawks defense. So we'll see how bold I'm feeling, but it's tempting. Another similar game with a good team and a not so good team is the Baltimore Ravens minus seven and a half, 45 and a half hosting the Indianapolis Colts, formerly of Baltimore in a battle of Baltimore. Anthony Richardson, the starting quarterback for the Colts banged up last week is still in concussion protocol and not at practice yet. Not really a game that I want to touch if it's on the other side of seven and a half. Um, if I had to pick it, I would pick the Ravens. I'm not impressed by the Colts. I'm definitely less impressed by the Colts without Anthony Richardson. The Ravens could win this one easily, and I think 
one of the more underrated storylines this season is how well the Baltimore Ravens have played this year. Oh, I think that's a good point. And I think it would have been, you know, and I'm sure some people did do this. I think the Ravens were, you know, maybe kind of a, I wouldn't say sneaky, but you know, the AFC North is a tough division. If you played them to win the North, if you played them, uh, you know, yes, on the playoffs, if you played them to win the AFC, if you played them to win the Super Bowl, you certainly could have got a way better number than you can get now on on the Ravens in the Super Bowl after the after the two and zero start. And granted, it's a very small body of work, but um, you know, kudos to anybody who got out there and, and took that shot preseason because <clears throat> you certainly got a value there. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of eight, I'm seeing eight and eight and a halfs out there as well, David. And and like you said, that's that's you know that might be a little tough to swallow in 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 week three for Baltimore. And even, even with the situation, you know, the uncertainty at, uh, you know, the, the issues at quarterback right now for the moment for the Colts, you know, being banged up. So I'm not sure I'd want to lay that much either. Again, it's sort of, sort of like uh, Seattle and maybe Brian agrees with this. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty seemingly safe survivor pick, but um, I'm not sure I want to go eight, eight and a half on this at this point. Yeah, I'm actually the opposite of you guys here. I like this number at Colts 8.5, especially if Minshew is playing. I mean, long-term, give me Anthony Richardson all day over Gardner Minshew, obviously. But right now, I feel like this Colts team is better with Gardner Minshew under center as opposed to Anthony Richardson. He just gives you a lot more options in the passing game. I mean, Richardson's pretty much thrown predominantly checkdowns and short passes a star. They don't really trust him throwing the football just yet. While Minshew is a really capable backup, and he could, I mean, and going against a Ravens secondary that's still missing Marlon Humphrey, still missing um, Kyle Hamilton, uh, Kyle, sorry, uh, Marcus Williams, and they still have the other injuries on the other side of the ball on offense. And that you kind of be buying high a little bit on this Raven, this depleted Ravens team here after you had a week one winning against the Texans and then a week two winning against the Bengals team that does not look right at all right now. So I thought it's a good spot. I wouldn't take it below eight, but getting eight and a half is a pretty key number with the two-point conversions nowadays. So that's why I pounce on the Colts while I solved that number. We do have a 2-0 and o team getting six and a half points at home as the Commanders are hosting the Buffalo Bills. Bills laying six and a half, 44. There's 2-0, and o, and then there's Washington 2-0. and o. Wins are wins, Patrick. They all count the same. I'm not sure anybody's actually buying the Commanders as a 2-0 and o team squeaking by Arizona needing a huge comeback against a not-good Denver team. Uh, I faded the Bills in week one and got it right, despite the Aaron Rodgers injury. Uh, I was wrong to fade him in week two against Vegas. Not sure I want to lay a touchdown on the road, but I also can close my eyes and visualize the Bills putting a hurting on Washington. Oh, I could definitely visualize that. Uh, Not one that I've got much in the way of uh, odds maker comments on at at this stage of the week, but, uh, you know, and, and part of the reason is for what you alluded to. There's 2-0, and and then there's Commanders 2-0. and And I don't think people are necessarily – odds makers are necessarily buying this, and, and I don't think betters are necessarily going to buy into it. The public certainly isn't going to buy into it. They're not going to get off the bills just yet, even after, uh, the, you know, week one falling apart in a situation where they really didn't have to face Aaron Rodgers in that game at all, but, you know, a couple of plays. So uh, – but I, I loved Buffalo in week two, and I just thought they were going to – you know, really take care of business against the Raiders, and they did. Um, I mean, if you're, if, if I was to make a play, I, I think what is kind of interesting this number, and and Brian, maybe you can speak to this because you probably look at it a little more closely than I have. But this number's been rather stagnant, not yep. six and a half. That's the thing that I'm like, how is that? Well, I mean, I guess I get it. Part of it is that the that, that the Commanders are two and zero, oh, but 
I kind of, you know, to me, I feel like the public's going to come in on this and this is going to go up at some point. And I would love Brian's thought on that because he's he's seen this happen in his role behind the counter. Yeah, it's interesting. You're right that the line hasn't moved from that six and a half. I'm, I was with Patrick last week. I was pretty heavy on the bills to cover that big number against the Raiders and pretty much never in doubt after what, when the Raiders came out to early lead, but then once the bills got on the board, it was never in doubt. For me, I see this more as selling high on the commanders. They're not a very impressive 2-0 team with a really close win against the Cardinals and then Granted, a nice comeback last week, but this Broncos team might be a lot worse than people like myself thought they could have been this year under Sean Payton. While the week one loss against the Jets really clouded people's judgment against this Bills team. I mean, it sparks conversation about is Josh Allen elite quarterback still when like, come on, he is. He's really turnover prone, but he's still a top three quarterback in football. And this Bills team is still still a Super Bowl contender. And while the commanders have a better home field advantage now with uh the fans being back on the back back to sporting their team with Dan Snyder gone. I still see this as a as a good spot for the Bills and continue to ride that train here, but it is a little suspicious how this number hasn't moved. Two more games left to talk about, one including the Sunday nighter, but we'll start in Cleveland where the Browns minus three and a half, 39 and a half, laying three and a half against the Tennessee Titans, who although being one and one, they did cover both games. They went into New Orleans and and covered with the late field goal, and then they upset the Chargers last week as a home dog. Titans now 7-2 ATS on the road in the last nine road games. Um, I expect them to cover here. I was not impressed by Cleveland at all in the in the, in the the Monday night game against the Steelers. And then you factor in the fact that they they, they lost Nick Chubb. Uh, Hunt's not going to be ready to go. And you have a quarterback who really doesn't look like anything that he resembled before. I'll fire first on this. Uh, talk to an odds maker on Wednesday about this one, David. And he said the Titans are off a big win. The Browns obviously banged up. No Nick Chubb for the season. And he said the Titans are shaping up to be the trendy dog of the week. Not on the surprising. NFL week three odds board. There you go. I agree with you. And and then in talking with uh, with Randy McKay, a pretty smart better who's out in Vegas pretty regularly, he likes this spot for Tennessee as well. But he got in early on this and, or or. I should say, let me double check what our odds are here. I don't want to say he got in too early, but he's been, he got in early in the week on this. And he likes Tennessee, took him at plus three. He said, This is, I think you kind of alluded to this with the Dolphins a little bit, David. I think it was the Dolphins game. He said, This is a bad scheduling spot for the Browns in between two division games on a short week. He likes, he thinks the Titans are playing Mike Frable type football. So getting points versus is, is a premium against teams that are close in perceived quality ability to them. And and then also you pointed out exactly what the odds maker pointed out as well, what we all point out, and that is the Titans appear to be fairly healthy, whereas the Browns are banged up for this matchup. Yeah, it surprised me last week when we had a Max Meyer on from points bet when the Titans were three-point dogs against the Chargers and the Chargers were most popular team of the week. Everyone's so aware in the betting community of how profitable Mike Vrabel is as an underdog, not just against the spread, but straight up too. They have a winning record at 23 and 22, and the Titans are underdogs on him, which is pretty crazy. And you're going against a Browns team that's missing their best pair on offense. And the Titans' best strength as a team on defense is a rushing defense. And the way to attack them is through the air. And it's so hard to trust a Sean Watson right now. Like, I was very, I was, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt for his play last season because it was small sample size, coming off a lot of rust on a new team. But he doesn't look any better than last year. I don't know how anybody could really have any faith in Watson through the air at this point 
But the Titans at the same time, they have maybe the worst offense line in the NFL going against this pass rush led by Miles Garrett. It seems too easy just to back the Titans and Rabel in the points, even though there's mismatches between both teams that kind of cancel each other out. But if I do to lean one way or the other, it's hard not to ever take the Titans when they're underdogs of three or more points against a team like the Browns, who isn't who really isn't that much more of a threat than they are. No, and you have you have Deshaun Watson just handing points away left and right over the first two weeks of the season, and you're going to get Vrabel with three and a half. It's one of my favorite plays of the week. I've already bet it. I'm all over it, and I love it. Uh, moving to another game that involves uh, AFC matchup, especially with the Steelers coming off their Monday night game. They're now on Sunday night football, getting two and a half in Vegas. They go from playing a division game with the Browns out to Vegas to, to, to play the Raiders, two and a half, 43. What do we think, Patrick? Well, and again, uh, talking with an odds maker on this one midweek because of this line having jumped the fence, uh, he noted sharp action on late Las Vegas plus one when when Vegas was the underdog here, and on Las Vegas minus one even after it uh, you know even after it jumped the fence there. So the sharper folks seem to think it's that way. And now, as you noted, you've got you've got Vegas two and a half, even some threes popping up here as we you know as we speak today. So they they were the sharp play, but the but that number that that the sharp play, the numbers, I should say, because it was more than one, those numbers are long gone. So it may not be uh, the play any longer. The other thing to factor in here when, you know, look, there's sports betting all across the country now. And there are some states, New Jersey and, and, and New York and others that just take incredible amounts of handle. But Vegas is still a centerpiece. And when you get, and one thing that's really creeped in in a lot of states and now creeps in in Vegas with us having an NFL team in this last year is you get that regional bias. It's really big in Michigan, by the way, too, totally off topic. But the regional bias in Michigan is insane for the Lions and for the Wolverines and so forth. But uh, they get hit pretty good here. BetMGM gets hit pretty good here, and a lot of the other local shops get hit pretty good here on the Raiders every time they're playing until it gets to a tipping point where the, where people realize the Raiders aren't any good. They're not at that point yet. The Bills are a very good team. Um, I mean, granted, Las Vegas got wiped out in that game, but – on the road for the second week in a row. This is the Raiders home opener. I think there'll be plenty of, you know, regional bias creeping into this game. And, and, and at least even for the op, you know, for the operators that operate nationally, but also here in Vegas, at least the, the Vegas side of that operation is going to want to, uh, uh, going to want the Steelers in that game. And, and perhaps even nationally, as we see this number move, maybe they'll want the Steelers in this game. No, Patrick's definitely right about that local bias coming into the play. When I was at Caesars, we had, our Caesars app that was all across the country. And then we had our different app that was in Nevada only. And the odds would always be so much different with the Raiders across the two apps because we would get a lot more lopsided Raiders action, obviously, from our Nevada betters versus nationally. And you mentioned that Michigan betters are big homers. The New York and New Jersey betters are. From me looking at those splits all the time at Caesars, they bet the most in terms of riding with their teams. No matter what sport it was, there was always a lot of liability on a New York team to win a title. But this is actually my favorite bet of the week here so far. I like the under 43 and a half. I mean, last week, the over only hit in that Browns-Steelers Monday night game because of turnovers. There are six turnovers and two of them went for touchdowns. And the over still didn't hit by that much. I mean, we came away from the preseason really impressed by the Steelers offense. But it's been a complete 180 through two weeks. Takeaway Pickens, a 71-yard touchdown catch last week. Pickens averaging only five yards per attempt. And everyone knows how uh, critical the Steelers fan base is of their offense coordinator, Mike Canada. And this Raiders offense, I mean, I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to have negative rushing yards again this week, but they're still not a really impressive unit to me. 
you have a key number a little bit here, 43 and a half. We're liked it a little higher. For, I mean, key number really have been 44 and a half. I still like it at 43 and a half. And the Steelers offense, I saw a chart where it's basically like measuring rushing efficiency versus passing efficiency. And the Steelers are in the bottom left corner by far the worst in the NFL. And I don't see us turning around in one week on a short week traveling to. And there you have it. We finished with two games and two of our favorite plays. One of my favorite plays in the Titans plus three and a half. And one of Brian's favorite plays is the Steelers Raiders under 43 and a half. We've taken you through all 13 Sunday games from one o'clock Eastern all the way through the bottom slate. Make sure you go to profootballnetwork.com or pfnbetting.com to see all of our betting information, including Brian's picks, my picks, Jason Katz, uh, Kyle Soppy, Survivor Picks, DFS Picks, all at ProFootballNetwork.com. Follow us on Twitter at PFN365, as well as at PFF, PFN Betting. Patrick, loved having you on. Loved talking with you again. Going to have you on the program again. Um, any last words from you? Well, absolutely. Uh, well, my Denver Broncos aren't any good again, which is really, really unfortunate. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I don't want to say I didn't see it coming. I didn't have high hopes, but, uh, I didn't have this low of hopes either. And it, and it doesn't look better having to face your mighty Miami dolphins on the road in the heat and the humidity this so, week. So why don't we, why don't we wrap it up a little chili Skittles money? Chili's on you, Skittles on me. Next time we see each other, whoever covers this game buys the other one a beer. I, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. I think that's a very fair bet. Let's do it. Nice, friendly wager to wrap up the pod. Brian, thank you. Patrick, thank you. Uh, we'll have you on again in a couple of weeks. That'll do it for Brian and Patrick. I'm David Behrman. Hopefully you'll have some winning bets, and make sure to come back on Monday to hear our Monday night football breakdown of two games that we have on Monday night, rams Bengals, and Eagles-Buccaneers. Well, I'm sure Brian will have some thoughts on his Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs>